Welcome to a football show Monday edition here live on the Full 40 Sports Network. Of course, the YouTube page, Broadway Sports Media, Easton Freeze sitting in for Zach Lyons. My name is Braden Gall. We do appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Ago, to, uh, of course, I don't know what I just said. I don't know what word that was, actually. Happy Monday. <laughs> uh, man, I tell you what, I'll say this. I, I had to do, like, I was in it fri- Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Oh. Uh, Tomato Fest with the kids on Friday night went a little mm-hmm. later than we expected uh we you know saturday's a long long day uh saw a lot of you guys out there hanging out on, on tomato fest and then we had a a, a restaurant here in, in the neighborhood who had a, an 11th year anniversary that we went to as well and it's just one of those where i'm too old to go three days in a row man i just can't do it um and one so, too many days yeah uh, some of that was family obligation and so it, it but what i got to do is sit down and watch the titans game on monday morning so uh, if you were looking for tweets from me, you got none mm. <laughs> over the weekend. Uh, but it's more fun to watch it, like sort of, you know, see, seeing seeing the reaction from people, Easton, and then going back and watching it and being like, okay, people might be overreacting a little bit to some things, right? And some other things not overreacting to. So how do what do we see in game number one against the Bears? We'll discuss that a lot, and then of course, what's next? What did you see at practice today? What's coming up against Minnesota? A lot of stuff to do today on the show, of course, brought to you by Sinkers Beverages and the Kingston Group as well. We'll tell you more about those two great local companies here coming up in just a second. And the AP poll is out for college football. And uh, of course, Easton, you always have good college football questions for me when you fill in for Zach. I do appreciate that. So we'll talk some SEC at the end. But this is going to be mostly focused on the Tennessee Titans today, as it as it usually is. Um, shoot Zach some some uh, some kind words, of course. Uh, it's got some family stuff he's dealing with, so he'll be back uh, hopefully on Thursday. But uh, otherwise, shoot him some messages at F-Word Pods, of course, uh, at F-Word's Pod on Twitter, uh, stackintheinbox.com. And Easton, where can the wonderful and amazing people find, listen, hear, and catch all of your work? You can find me on social media at Easton Freeze on all platforms. And then my show, The Hot Read Podcast, also here on the 440 Podcast Network. You can find that at Hot Read Pod anywhere you uh, get your social media, Instagram, TikTok, X, we're all over the place. That's right. I, I, I'm still calling it Twitter. Um, yeah. At Braden Gall on Twitter, at 440 Sports. Do you, do you want to show everybody your background real fast, just as a tease here to get sure. everybody Sure, people are up. asking me this more and more these days. They're like, <laughs> what's what's back here? What's um, actually, but wait for it, folks. Look at this. Is, first... I'm putting together my office, slowly but surely. You can see my, uh, my pin collection here, which I've been working on since I was like 12 years old, which I'm very proud of. And then some scratch maps my wife and I got. Scratch off the places we go to together. Okay, and okay. Also, yeah, slowly but surely. There you go. The office setup is big. I like it. I've always wondered what was back there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, it looks good. My, we've got some of those scratch things for national parks for the kids that we take. That's to, awesome. So it's, it, no, Love it's pretty that. cool. Um, okay, so obviously a lot to discuss about Will Levis, a lot to discuss about Malik Willis, a lot to discuss about the offensive line, a lot to discuss. I, I mean, maybe even the kicking game. As as I said last week on the show, keep an eye on those kickers because I still don't think we have a clue as what's what's to what's going on. Uh, so there's a lot to discuss. I, I just wanted to. I think I know we're going to spend a lot of time on the back of quarterbacks, but and I think Kaharski tweeted this today, like and you were out there at practice. I did not have a chance to go on Monday, but Tannehill was really, really good in practice on Monday. Yes. And I think we just have to make sure in, in yeah, I think you and I were standing there on, on the on the quote unquote bad practice mm-hmm. um, when the offense was terrible last Thursday. And Tannehill still had a period in, in red zone where he w- he made like two extraordinary throws into the end zone. And I think it is worth reiterating worth repeating maybe drilling it home to people that we are arguing about the backup quarterback situation <laughs> yes yeah no I, I tweeted something along the same lines as what Paul tweeted after practice that 
you know, like the Malik Willis, Will Levis conversation continues apace and it's the perfect preseason narrative. I mean, it's just for us in sports media, just delicious, right? Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, actual starting NFL quarterback Ryan Tannehill is out there practicing. And as soon as this (laughs) preseason pony show is over, he's the actual guy going out there on Sundays. And he looked really good today. He, I think he was 16 of 19 off the top of my head. Kaharski took the stats down and I I couldn't find it on top of my head, but yeah. He, he had a fantastic day, hardly had anything dropped, did not make a single bad decision that I saw commanding the offense the way that you expect a veteran of, of his tenure to be commanding the offense. This team, like, it feels like we're talking about two very different teams right now because we are so focused in on this backup quarterback competition, who's going to make the roster. And, when we, you know, when you're talking about who's making the roster, you're not talking about Traylon Burks and Chica Conquo and right and DeAndre Hopkins you're talking about guys that are at the back so our our focus is reasonably shifted away from the actual team right now but it is nice to remind folks that the actual team is practicing they're a whole different cast of characters and they looked pretty good today so I I do think that 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 is important to remember and he was the best looking player not just quarterback obviously but like the best looking player uh, and I wasn't going to spend a ton of time on Tannehill today, but now we're off here and here we are. And that's here the beauty are. of the, that's the beauty of the uh, the format is you can kind of go wherever you want to go. And I think, mm-hmm. uh, again, if you want to chime in on the comments, you want to join the chat, please jump in and ask questions here. Because I think one, one of the interesting things is he was the best player sort of uh, across the entire offense for like minicamp for OTAs. Like, And I do think he's had this weird journey because last year he came in and was talking openly about the mental health issues mm-hmm. uh, at the after after the loss of Cincinnati. He had all this stuff that he was dealing with and sort of people were questioning him and he was the biggest question. It seemed it feels very different this year where he was sort of viewed as the happy warrior last year that had to put up with all the garbage that happened around him and the offensive line and Mm -hmm. the receiving core and the injuries. And like he played through injuries and all this other stuff. And he still kind of came in like fired up and motivated and and whatever you kind of want to call it. And I think uh, while those are two very different places to be mentally for a quarterback it's also two very different situations and relationships with the fans where where there was a lot of pressure on him last year and I don't think there's as much pressure on him this year as much as a normal NFL starting quarterback but it doesn't feel I would like, argue less because the assumption yeah. is this is his swan song right nobody's expecting him to be here beyond this year so I, I think the pressure on him this is and, and you I'm curious how, the time that you've been at practice if you agree the vibe that I've gotten from him in the past three weeks of practice is that he is in a way better place this off season. Like you were alluding to than last his kids were there today. And in the last two times I've been at practice, his kids and his wife were there and he he's ecstatic after practice, they come running on and they say, Hey to daddy. And, and he just seems like he's having a good time out there. The, the narrative around him, I would say it's quiet. It's practically non-existent, right? I think that's yeah. kind of exactly how he wants it. I'm, I'm sure this time of year, veterans of his stature prefer to not be talked about like Derrick Henry I'm sure is happy to just live his life for the month of August and not be discussed because they've got five months coming up where they're going to be under the microscope of the entire town and the entire nation I, I think you're right he also feels more relaxed Tannehill does and I think some of that's what you're talking about maybe it again there's we're talking about margins of error here of, of pressure because there's you don't like you don't play quarterback in the NFL and have no pressure. Like, of course, sure. there's a ton of a ton of pressure. Uh, they want to compete to win a championship. He's putting a ton of pressure on himself. You could argue the contract for next year is is in the balance in terms of what, like, the same way Christian Fulton is being motivated by money. 
you have to uh, you have to think that Ryan Tannehill's motivated by money, but I think there's an airiness about him this this offseason mm-hmm. because again, last year he was putting so much on himself. And then to come into this year with the injuries, like nobody blames Ryan Tannehill for anything last year. <laughs> like, in fact, he did the best that he could with what he had. And now we're actually in a pretty lucky situation if you're a Titans fan because you've got your starting quarterback, you've got two not not just one rookie, but basically two rookie quarterbacks that are both pretty talented that now get to play almost every snap of the preseason to try to figure out who's better. Uh, and we'll get into a lot of that because there's a lot of other things to discuss about the loss with the Bears. But I just want to remind everybody. That while we may spend 10 minutes on what Levis and Willis today, right? that they are the backups. <laughs> One last thing I'll say about Tannehill, and, and I think the to boil it down to just the juxtaposition of coming into a season on the heels of the 21 NFL season versus the 22 NFL season. Last year, he's coming off of the massive playoff loss as the one seed. And the 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 general narrative was Ryan Tannehill, is he, is he the one holding this team back? After last season, when every every game that he missed was a offensive disaster, that that yeah. is kind of flipped on its head. And it's like, OK, without Ryan Tannehill, this team is a disaster. <laughs> so I think he's in a completely different position yeah. this year. Yeah. Uh, now, I, I will say and one of my big takeaways from the Bears is not at all. We can get into the specifics about snap counts for linebackers and snap counts for receivers and the two kickers. And like, there's lots of fun stuff to actually discuss, mm-hmm. but I think I, and I've said this to Zach and Zach sort of refuses to acknowledge that. And he's not here. So we can pick on him. Uh, okay. Even if he is, even if he is, <laughs> that's fine. But then I'm, I'm picking on you eventually. And him and that's I inspired behind your back. I, I bring, I am the totally bearer fair. of uh, Zach's rage for you today, but we'll get that's to that fair. Later. That's totally fair. I'm, I'm good with a good conspiracy. We okay. live in America. We have been built on conspiracy theories right. for 250 years. Uh, <laughs> it's not, it's not a new thing. It's, it's pretty much the whole, the whole time. It's the tradition. Um, they just don't have a ton of depth, man. And and no, they do uh, not. It, it's not because the offensive line didn't look good in the after the first drive. The starting five looked okay. I think people are raving about them. I think they did fine. I don't think they were great, but they were fine. And I think there's not a lot of depth on that. The bar was so low expectation wise. Right. They looked competent, right? So we've got um like I know people are pleased with the way the linebackers played, and I could not believe the TV broadcast raving about the depth at linebacker. I know even Herndon said as much on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I, secondary, like, I still don't – they may have a bunch of guys who are roughly even. They don't have any stars. Like, they don't have stars at linebacker Well, yet. I think it's a relative. Secondaries, yeah, secondaries is the same thing. Receiving right. core is the same thing. Tight end, they, they had an injury, and Wiley didn't have a particularly great game, but he's going to be okay. Like, other than running back – in which case, Hassan Haskins, we still don't know about his future. Other than running back, I'm not sure what position on this team is truly deep, and that's a concern. You know, I totally agree, and depth was one of the biggest losers of that game. I saw a lot of people on, on Twitter talking about, like, wow, this like this game, this settles it. This team's not deep, and it's like, brother, we've known this team's right. not deep. This right. just showed it off for everybody to see. I'm with you, and I think that, like Herndon was saying, the, you know, the linebacker depth being – a, su- a pleasant surprise for him. And I kind of am on the same page. It's a super relative thing. Like right I- inside linebacker is one of besides running back. Like you mentioned, the only positions where you don't, it's not a five alarm fire. If the starters aren't out there, but on, on my show yesterday, or excuse me for this morning, we recorded it live on Sunday. We were talking about how this team is definitively. And again, we've known this since April, but we, we saw it in in tangible form on Saturday, Rand Carthen's first team build kind of by necessity has to be this stars and scrubs approach. 
And that's not necessarily a bad way to build a team. It's a risky way to build a team. We, we, we've seen as recently as sure. 2021, the 2021 Los Angeles Rams were the stars and scrubs build. Like they had 25 to 30 really, really, really good players on that team. And then a bunch of dudes that may not make any other roster. And their stars were productive and stayed healthy. And so they won a ring. But this is the Tennessee Titans we're talking about. And being productive and staying healthy are two things yeah. you cannot take for granted. So that's certainly something that I think fans should go into the season concerned by and also fully eyes wide open to yeah. the fact that if these stars go down, you're going to have problems fast. Well, and I would argue at, at, at linebacker, they don't even have they don't even have stars yet. Um, I like I like Aziz Alshayer. I think he's going to be really nice. I think Chance Campbell has a lot of upside. I think. You know, Monty Rice will get to him, but like mm. to me, there, there's the, you know the Bucks had Levante, David, and and Devin White yeah, as right, their right. starters. Yeah, <laughs> those are stars. So Al Shire uh, is really the only guy on this team that you could tell me by week twelve people consider him a star on this team, and I would believe you. Sure. Everybody else, like I think he's the only one with that true upside ability. Do you agree? Yes, but but has it's again, but he's not proof. reached it. But he no. has not. He's never been a true yeah. starter in the NFL for a long period of time. So, um, all right. So that number one, it's 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 the depth for me. And I do want to ask about the offensive line. And, and by the way, I've got a, a really cool announcement from Sinkers Beverages for you guys. So just sit tight for that. I'm going to get to that before we get to Levis Sweet. and Willis. Um, just uh, you know, I know some people are thought Andre Dillard did a pretty solid job. I've seen some scouts talking about they saw everything they need out of Skaronsky to say that he's going to continue to grow to be pretty solid. Brewer does a pretty good job at the center position. Um, you know, I just, I, I don't know. They had a nice drive. They got a little push. I thought Tajay Spears looked really good on that drive. I want to talk about uh, Spears, man. Yes. We can, we can certainly talk about, cause I think yes. Wiley, you know, I think Wiley bat some bad breaks. And, and as we talked about on Thursday show, like you can't win your way onto the roster in one game, but you can start to lose your way off of it pretty quickly. If you don't make yes. the big mistakes and, mm -hmm. and Wiley had two, two pretty bad, bad ones. Although I'll, I'll put the throw on Willis actually. Yes, um, I, I just, is the start did your opinion change about the starting offensive line did you think you learned anything or enough to feel one way or the other about the starting five including chris hubbard at right tackle um really all i can say as a takeaway from that one drive is that i had been confidently preaching the gospel of this offensive line kind of by necessity has to be better this year than it was last all the way through the spring and summer up until the last two ish weeks. And then at practice, kind of in this vacuum of half, you know, half speed reps and then full speed reps, but against a Titans defensive front that is really stacked. My, my faith started to waver on that proposition. And then I feel like I, I, I zoomed out, was able to see the, the full picture. I was no longer missing the forest for the trees on that one drive where it's like, yes, I am. I'm still, I'm, I'm returning to my take that while this offensive line may be the 26th overall in the league, it's not going to be 31 or 32. They are going to be better, better being a super relative term okay. than they were last year. And they can at least be serviceable <laughs> when they are operating correctly. I, I, and I think most of us agree because like even on the, the first drive where they didn't allow a sack, they then allowed eight, although a lot of those were on the quarterbacks later yep. on in the game. They did get some push with Tajay Spears. They did go into the end zone um, like Dillard got just bull rushed into the quarterback on one of those plays um, that, that didn't result in anything. But like it was close. Willis got the ball out quickly to his credit. Um, I, I still 
I, I still don't know if 23rd, 26th, 21st, 27th, I, that's improvement. And we all agree it's going to be improved. Is that good enough to win the division? That, that, that's what I just don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't, there's not a number that they have to get to. Oh, they're the 21st best offensive line and that therefore they right. can win the division. It's going to come down to, it's not, it's not about how good they are across the whole season. It's how healthy are they? And do they make the big play in the big moment? Probably, you know, against Houston on the road or against, you know, Jacksonville at home at the end of the year or whatever it is, they've got to be good in the important moments when they need to be good. And I just don't know. We just don't have a clue yet about that, but I do think they're improved. Uh, I just don't know if we, we, I don't want to overreact to one drive uh, against the bears defense who was the gotta love preseason sample size. Number one, one drive, six snaps, seven attempts. They, it's uh it is prior confirming season out here. Yeah, man. And they had the first overall pick because they were the worst team. Just want to point that out. Um, yeah. All right. So a couple, couple, a couple of notes here. I, I, I want to know what you think of some of the snaps and we can stick with the offensive line. MPF gave up four pressures and 13 snaps. That's a, that's not a good rate. Big red uh, flag. Uh, Andrew Rupchich played the most of anybody of any of the offensive linemen at right tackle. Uh, 44 snaps. So um, Zach Johnson played a lot as well, but they both gave up a bunch of pressure. So not necessarily great. Um, Justin Murray played 33 snaps, all of not which good. at guard. Yeah. So I think, uh, again, if we want to finish up the offensive line conversation with like, I still don't know if we've, it probably is settled one through four left to right up to the right mm-hmm. tackle. Doesn't mean Dillard's great, but it's settled. I think the question is still, what, what does the right tackle look like? And it may include a conversation that goes longer than just the first six games. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's two, it's two different things. Like the, the interior of this offensive line, I'm feeling really good about. And on the ends, Andre Dillard's the only guy on this team that doesn't terrify me. And I think that that is the opinion of a lot of people. And for yeah. good reason, um, Hubbard, I mean, not to say that Hubbard was a complete and utter liability on there again, one drive. He wasn't, but I, I just, I'm, I'm going to, nice, I'm going nice to kick out nice pull on the pitch sweep and sure. kick out block there for, for Spears. Yeah. But I'm going to assume he is going to be every week for the first month and a half of the season when he's in there starting, assuming he is the starter, he's going to be the thing that the offensive line room every week is having to game plan. How, okay, on on this look, how are we going to help Chris? On this look, how are we going to help Chris? The help is sliding to the right. And it's by necessity going to have to, I think, because of who you have in there. And you're going to need Andre Dillard to be able to yeah. hold his own yeah. on the opposite side. And and, and I'm, it, I'm feeling better by the day, by the practice about Dillard. I think he is finding some rhythm. And, and he certainly has only trended up in the last two or so weeks of practice. But th- there's still a lot to be yeah. seen, I think. There's still a lot to be proven there. All right, so I want to get into the quarterbacks, the receivers. Again, Monty Rice played seven snaps. So in that mm. conversation about the linebacker room, who, who Monty was Starter not Starter treatment, baby, obviously. Yeah, yeah but not at practice on Monday. <laughs> no no word of injury from the coaching staff before practice, basically saying, no, it was just how the rotation fell. Uh, and, of course, Chase It was Campbell- the most epic non-answer ever, by the uh, way. Yes. From, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a great coach-speak answer. A bunch of Doctor- non Dr. Jack Gibbons got the starter treatment, 10 snaps. Yes, he did. Uh, and uh, and then Chance Campbell got 25. Uh, Rush, Neiman, 25, 24. Gifford got 14. Otis Reese got 18. He was he was kind of all over the place. So they've got maybe they've got some bodies there, but I don't I don't know how good. But before we get to receiving core, um, Spears, I know we want, both want to talk about Spears. I think there's not a lot to say about him other than we think he's pretty good. 
Um, I, I do want to say Seekers Beverages is putting on a really cool event coming up at the end of this month. First weekend of college football season, Bluegrass, their sister store up in Hendersonville, 50th anniversary. They're having a huge beer fest. They're going to have food trucks, all kinds of cool stuff up there. Hey. Uh, there's a chance that another show on this platform might be up there doing a broadcast. So just mm. uh, just stay tuned for more information. But um, mm. it's going to be all kinds of cool stuff on, I believe, it's September 3rd, that Saturday. It's going to be like a noon to four type of deal. Uh, Bluegrass up there in Hendersonville. This is what they do. This is why Sinker's Beverages is the best liquor store in East in, in Nashville last year, as voted on by Best of Nashville Scene, which you can go vote on uh, Easton Freeze if you'd like to vote for best uh, radio personality. Or what do we count as? I don't know what we count as, but um, best Sports podcast. Person. I don't yeah. know. Sure. Yeah. You can vote for best podcast. But again, uh, 50th anniversary serving that market up there. And we're going to give a, they're going to do all kinds of beer tastings. And there's going to be a bunch of local breweries on, on, on site. TVs are going to be on college football games on the opening weekend. Uh, it's going to be a ton of fun and we'll probably be up there having a good time. So just stay tuned for more information. That uh, sounds incredible. Make sure you mark the calendars there. We're going to have some, we're going to have a big time. It's going to be a big old time there. Uh, I believe on September 3rd, I believe is the first Saturday of the college football season, Labor Day weekend. So it should be a lot of fun. Only companies like Sinkers and Bluegrass do things like this for the community and have served the community for that long. So make sure you check them out. And of course, search Uber Eats uh, for Sinkers Beverages and they'll have the booze delivered directly to your house easton do you know what to say here i do they drive so you can drink it's the only work zach does <laughs> i've seen so, this show once or twice i've picked so up on that you. one so thank you easton of course kingston group buildkg.com uh, again these guys are as detail oriented as any human beings i have ever been around uh like they will go to the end of the earth to make sure the polish on the door handle matches if you're doing a renovation they start from nose to tail. They give you the entire plan of what you're mm. going to do, whether it's a custom build, a remodel, a new wing. If you're buying a home or selling a home, whatever they, whatever you need to do to do to your house, they will start and give you the entire design process from start to finish and keep it all in-house. It's not general contractor here, general contractor there, and outsource this and outsource that. It's all in-house. It's all done by the same trustworthy people, and that's why they're award-winning and locally owned. Kingston Group, of course. Uh, we'll get to the AP poll that's out for the SEC coming up in a little bit as well. Uh, all right, I guess we can we can start because we got the kickers, we got the receivers, but we got we can start with the quarterbacks. And I I I don't think the common sense I think is that Willis was like significantly better than 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 Will Levis. That Malik Willis was significantly better. And while I think Malik Willis showed a ton of progress from last season, which is all that kind of matters in this conversation, is how yeah. much progress has he made against himself? And I think. There was plenty, lots of nice throws over the middle. Uh, he had 31 attempts, I believe. So he threw the ball twice as many times, uh, or 31 dropbacks, excuse me, as as Will Levis. He ended up 16 to 25, 189. An interception that was on him, in my opinion, in the red zone. Uh, two fumbles, one fumble loss. He did score the rushing touchdown. Um, I've, I'll give you some, this is from John Glennon's story in the Nashville Post. So I'll give you some numbers here to, to, that I think are kind of what matters here. Last year, preseason game number one, 4.37 seconds per release. Uh, for the preseason last year total, 3.72 seconds per release. For the regular season last year for Malik Willis, 3.52 seconds for, per release. Coming down. So you can tell it got better uh, on Saturday. Again, just in one preseason game, 3.18 seconds. So still slow, still not among the They're fastest. Less slow. None That's of those slow. numbers are among the best in the NFL. Um, yep. And here, and here's the other one. 18 dropbacks in this first preseason game last year. Five scrambles. 
two scrambles in 31 dropbacks on Saturday. So as Tim Kelly said, playing faster, playing more confidently, making decisions, being more decisive, not just scrambling, staying in the pocket. Uh, So the numbers have come down. He is better. He is significantly improved. I'm not ready yet to say that it was clearly better than Will Levis, but we'll get to that in a second. So Malik Willis, your thoughts, Easton. Well, I thought he looked pretty good, and he certainly looked like a guy that hadn't been passed up already by Will Levis, which is something that you said last week on this show. It was foolish when you said it then. You looked foolish this weekend when he clearly was the oh, better quarterback. And uh, yeah, that's that's the that is the uh, the outrage that I come with today to ambush you with that Zach and I discussed. I thought I thought that you were jumping the gun last week. I think that as demonstrated by this game, you had jumped the gun, and I was. Hand up. I, I also said on my show that we may see Will Levis pass uh, uh, Malik Willis this weekend. I did not say that it was already over. Okay, so you you went too far in that front. And um, but okay. but I but I do I do think that it's being I went and rewatched some of that game this morning. I watched the broadcast on Saturday. This morning I watched a little bit uh, of the the replay. Upon second watch, I was less discouraged by will levis's performance than i than i was the first time around uh-huh. i think that it became one of those narrative things. and again he's certainly there's no there's no debate in my mind was the worst of the two quarterbacks but in the grand scheme of the other three top four rookie quarterbacks that all got their first nfl action this weekend kind of all four of them looked exactly how you'd expect rookie quarterbacks in their first action to look like they were they uh-huh. were treading water they were not swimming and they were not drowning. They were just getting they were getting their sea legs about them. And so I don't think it's shocking at all that Will Levis looked the way that he looked. I'd imagine in a couple of days in game two this Saturday, and if not then, by game three, the following Saturday, or the following weekend, he will he'll probably make a pretty significant leap because you and I have been to enough of the practices and seen him in practice to know what he's capable of at his high end already. He's certainly a guy that is developing, is is coming along. But if he looked like he's looked in some practices where he's throwing back-to-back-to-back touchdown passes in red zone drills, he's going to look a lot better eventually. He's just got to get his NFL sea legs, right? Yeah. So I'm not. This is I'm not going to do the hot take thing and be like I I disagree. I think Levis was better. I I, I don't think Levis was better. I don't think Willis was significantly better at all. I just no, I neither. just don't. I think I, I think they are one pass play away from. Will Levis having a game-winning touchdown pass that was inches away from being one of the best throws either quarterback would have made the entire game with a lot of pressure in his face with the game on the line. He misses him by inches mm-hmm. uh, on that crossing route to the to the Baylor rookie and a better receiver makes that catch by the, the way. A better receiver makes that catch. It wasn't a gr- it wasn't a perfect throw. I'm not saying nope, it was. It was but it was a it, it was a far more difficult throw to make than Malik Willis's throw to Josh Wiley in both in one was in the red zone. One was not. Mm -hmm. And what happened then on the next play is of course, sort of a hail Mary ish type of interception. So if, if one pass play with three inches difference changes, we have a completely different narrative by all the talking heads and shows like this and reporters online. And it's Will Levis leads the game winning drive with pressure in his face, flushed out of the pocket, keeps his eyes down the field, makes a great read, delivers a perfect throw for a game-winning touchdown, and he has a touchdown on his stat line and not an interception. And he is 10 of, uh, what is he? He finished 9 of 14. He'd be 10 of 14 or 10 of Mm -hmm. 13 for like 110 yards, touchdown, game-winner, no interception. 
And Malik Willis, while he made significantly more throws than Will Levis because he had twice as many dropbacks, still made a bunch of mistakes. So I, 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 just, I, I just don't see clearly. I don't no, see significantly better. I don't. In fact, I saw when Will Levis stepped into the pot, like went through the proper progress of the offense and did step, 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 throw, step, 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 throw. He was late on one out route when he doubled up and he went back to back on the on the on the verse first series, basically. But you see the difference in the arm and the the processing when Will Levis goes step, 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 throw. And he evaded pressure pretty well, too, I thought, which was no, now. Did he get does he need to get rid of the football more? Yes. He took too many sacks. And the coaching staff said at least four of the eight sacks were not on the offensive line, that they were on the quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Clearly, they both need to be improved. I just don't see the difference really all that much. I see a guy who's had a year experience in the NFL make progress. I see a guy who's playing in his very first preseason game ever with a ton ta- with a ton of talent. And again, we are inches away from having a totally different conversation today than 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 we were. Even though again, a throw in the fourth quarter of preseason game number 1 should not it should not be the reason we it love It means or hate everything, Brayden. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I think that there's a way better Actually, I, I wouldn't even say I think. I just think factually there is a much better argument to be made that Levis and Willis looked pretty much the same than there is an argument to be made that Willis looked way better. Like they looked way more similar to me than they looked different in that game. Yeah. And it, like you like you said, it came down to a couple of throws here and there. I thought that Willis, it, not not intentionally or unfairly, but just kind of by the nature of the game flow, got a little bit more of a look with higher quality talent throughout the game. He got some more run in the first half. Levis got some more run in the second half. And so it's a boring, bad broadcaster way to, to view the, the two of them in that game. But I just, I thought, I thought it, it is what it is, man. Like that's what yeah. I thought we would see. And they looked fine. And I haven't even said the single thing yet that would, that, that, that I know Zach would be pissed off if I said this. Okay. Only if you, if you take the first drive away, which is the only drive that had starting offensive linemen on it, which included a bunch of nice quality plays. And in fact, the very first play by Willis was a nice read. I'm not sure if that's exactly what they wanted him to do on that play, but it was a great make made up sort of play with, with, with Chris Moore over the middle. Um, and so in Cloudhouse says, you're right. If, if, if was a fifth, we'd all be drunk. And if my aunt had balls, she'd be my uncle. Like I get it. I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not arguing any of that stuff. That is true. I'm just suggesting that the difference between cl- some people thinking one guy was clearly better and 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 the other guy being clearly better was literally two and a half inches, maybe. Um, that's what she said. So I, I just don't think, you know, I, I, I just don't, I don't think we're anywhere near, I still think, well, this is the better player. Like, I still think he's, and maybe that's confirmation bias, as I said on the show last week. Is that I think he will be the better player. I, I, there's no doubt bias. in my mind that he will be the better player. That's what I'll say. Uh, pretty boy Lipschitz. I saw Levis and Malik escape a bunch too. line play was horrendous despite Vrabel's comments. Yeah. I, I listen, Levis needs to go through the progressions. Like Willis had to learn how to do last year. I still see some of the same stuff from, from Willis. It's still not, you know, 3.2 seconds is still not what you want, uh, from a quarterback in terms of drop back and release. Uh, I just think the ball, when Levis is in rhythm, the ball, it's different. It's, it's just, it's just different. It's different than Tannehill, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. It is a hundred percent. It is. So no, I agree. Right. And I, that's I, yeah, I, that's, that's really all there is to say. I think on the quarterback competition, I think that the rest of the, the team was far more interesting to me, at least than what yes. we saw from the quarterbacks. Yes. Uh, all right. Receivers. Let me ask you what first question. 
What did you think of the snap counts on this? Because I think this is illuminating to me. Because we have I wanted to talk sh- about this. We have argued on the show that the five five guys are are locked in to their spots. And I still yeah. argue it today, but we're gonna discuss it. Sorry. So you ahead. you agree with me or you disagree with me? That, I agree those... that it, it it has been five. It still is five. And there was a debate okay. at practice today. I was talking to Teresa Walker about this. She she disagrees with us, but we can get into the specifics. And I think okay. that this all hinges on NWI. Correct? Uh, no, I don't necessarily agree. I but but so here's the okay. snap count that I think is interesting. Okay. Because it's not going to, I'm not going to mention NWI in this mix because I think he's locked up. I think he's clearly a lot. I don't know where you're going with this. Okay. So the top four snap count receipt guys who got the most looks right at wide receiver for the entire game Mm -hmm. Colton Dow, 29, Racy McMath, 27, Mason Kinsey, 27, Reggie Roberson, 26. What do those four players have in common? Those four players are the one battling for the final wide receiver spot, in my opinion, and is yes, why the four yeah. got the most reps, in my opinion. Yes. No, I I, I, don't, I think that's – I think that is a – I can't call it a fact. We'd have to ask the coaches. But, like, it seems very obvious to me as well that that is the re- – like, people misunderstand sometimes the reason – not the reason, but, like, the, the purpose behind the things that teams do in the preseason. It is a proving ground. It is a test for these players. Like the least important thing in these games, unless you're the Baltimore Ravens, is the final score. What actually happens in the game is dictated by what the coaches, they're using the game as a tool to help make their decisions on the final 53. And so that's why you see those four guys in particular, like you said, what they have in common, those are the candidates for that last spot on the roster. That's why they're getting the most run. Like people were were, were talking yep. this weekend about how, you know, oh, the Titans, uh, you know, they dropped back to pass two times as much as they uh, ran the ball on Saturday. Looks like we are going to get a, a brand new. And I'm like, pump the brakes. We, we think that this Tim Kelly offense is going to throw more than the Titans have in the past. I'm still with you on that. They did some on first down, some play action on first down. I yes, think, but I'm I, assuming I, fans I, enjoyed that. <laughs> yes, I'm sure they did. But my question is, and, and not to be not to be a party pooper too much here, but what are they trying to see in this game? They're running it like they know it's Derrick Henry. They know it's Tajay Spears. They're not looking to figure that out. They're trying to figure out what they've got in these two backup quarterbacks. So, and, of course, and, they're going to throw more in the preseason. Yes, and they want to get the the off the first offensive line a little bit of gelling, you know. Yes, and 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 whoever this JT guy is, by the way, uh, whatever whoever that guy, I had to is, block I, him from my show's chat. We had to ban him. <laughs> I think there's a bigger chance NWI doesn't make the team than people want to admit. Uh, Pretty boy Lipschitz then comes back with NWI Aww. has a spot. NWI has a spot locked up only because they don't completely trust DeAndre Hopkins will be available. Here's the issue: like they don't have another piece that can do what Hopkins or Burks does i don't mean athletically yes. or skill set wise they don't have an outside number one x y whatever you want to call it type of guy they've like racy mc if they trusted racy mcmath and racy mcmath was clearly on the roster then that would make racy mcmath's job was to make nwi irrelevant and he yep. can't do it even though he had a decent game uh he has not had a good camp in my opinion i think nwi here's the reason he played some snaps you want to get somebody out there that knows what they're doing. <laughs> so so you put NDB, NWI out there because he's probably not going to get hurt. He knows how to run proper routes and to be in the right place at the right time because he's familiar with the offense. And you want to give Levis and Willis an opportunity at, a, at like an adult target, like mm-hmm. a big boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yes. that to me, that's what I, I read that the top four were fighting. And I'll, be, and I'll listen, Dow had a couple of really nice blocks, honestly, like on that first drive, Tajay Spears, sure. that run that I mentioned. 
Mm-hmm. Col- Colton Dow had a great crackback block on the outside backer. Like he even did some things that wasn't receiving that I that I enjoyed. Racy was pretty good on special teams, I I, I think. Um, you know, Kinsey caught some passes. Racy caught some passes. Reggie did all right. I think Reggie's had the best camp of the group. Yes. Um, but I don't think they have enough guys. Like they have three players on this roster that they trust, in my opinion, to play the role of outside what number one big receiver. And yes, it, stop, it stops at NWI, in my opinion. Yes, I was talking to Teresa Walker, Ben Arthur, and Nick Suss about this just a couple hours ago. And they were all saying that they wouldn't be shocked if NWI wasn't on the roster, that they think he's had a bad camp, that they think he was bad in the preseason game. And I just, I, I completely disagree. I, I saw an article by um, our buddy Justin Mello this morning about the snap count that Nick Westbrook got in the game. I'm reading it here. He got 20 snaps in that game, which was similar to uh, rookies such as Kyrus Jackson, who had 19, Treshawn Harrison, who had 18. And so the question he posed when, in the, when, the did those ha- was, when did this happen to <laughs> important, important. Yeah. yeah we're yeah. not just box score scouting here. Yes. Um, but, but the question posed was, you know, is his spot on this team locked up? I, the number one thing is what you mentioned first. I think people either don't understand or wildly underestimate the, the value and importance of the fact that outside of a man named Traylon Burks, NWI is your biggest receiver on this roster. He he just is. It's not really close. And like you said, he's one of three guys, Traylon Burks, DeAndre Hopkins, and Nick Westbrook-Akine, that they really fully trust to play the outside. Now, I think that they're going to put Chris Moore outside a decent amount this year yes. in yes. certain looks, but yeah. not because of his skill set or because of his size, just out of necessity and his ability as a, as a player and as a veteran receiver. But in terms of I, a true big bodied outside X receiver, you're right. Yep. He is one of three guys that can be that guy. And the age old adage that I continue to repeat, and I will stand by to my death or until the Titans show me that they don't think this, however much you like NWI, the Tennessee Titans like him twice as much. Don't <laughs> right. forget that Good. special teams and blocking a big part of that as well. Yes. Vers- versatility, consistency, knowledge of everything. Here's the other thing. You are looking to replace NWI. Like the, yes. the job that Rand Carthon has and John Robinson before him was to find someone better at, at what NWI does to be that role. That's why they drafted Racy McMath and that's why they drafted Car- Colton Dowell because they are both mm-hmm. big body guys that are more athletic, ideally, that can take his spot. That It's yep. not for lack of trying. <laughs> like no, they're, no, it's they're just for now he's safe. Him. He's yeah, safe. I think now, so another too. another I think thing so. that I think people need to realize is when it comes to 53-man roster cut down day, there is some serious calculus involved with, okay, if we're between two players, yes, we're considering who the better guy is and who's going to, to be a bigger impact on our team. But we are also taking into large consideration, and sometimes I think this decides the, the coin flip, which one of these guys are we more confident we can stash on the practice squad and not lose? Are you more confident yeah, that they can put like NWI that. on the practice squad and keep him around than a guy like Treshawn Harrison or Gavin Holmes or Kiaris yeah, Jackson? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not. Yeah, no, no, I, I see what you're saying. Um, all right, let's, we're getting a little long here, uh, on the game as usual, but that's to be expected. Uh, quickly, both kickers made their extra point. Uh, Shudak made the 41 yarder and Trey Wolf missed the 48 yarder, but coaching staff, Craig Ackerman today said that they're basically, uh, neck and neck. And I've stood next to both of them. Their necks are very different shapes. It's so different. They are definitely definitely not neck to neck. It's more like torso next to the little neck. Yeah. That's fiction. Um, There's no neck and neckness. (laughs) Oh, and, and do you, do you mean in the, like, all joking aside, you think it's clearly Caleb Shudek? Oh, no, 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 no. Jo- that was jokes. I, I'm, Joke. I'm with okay. you. That, right. And I actually <laughs> said on my show, like both of those field goal attempts 
were both they both sailed the same direction on the kicker. One was just good, one was just bad. I wonder if Shudak's would have been good from 48. I kind of think they were the same kick and one was just closer yeah. to the goal. Well, and Shudak had uh, had a touchback on one kickoff and then went out of bounds on another, which is a big no-no when we big talk no-no. about making the mistakes. That's the most types of mistakes. Um, quickly, the skill, offensive skill players, unless you have more to add on the field goal stuff, I just think it's, again, we got to just figure out what they do there. Um, I, I thought Josh Wiley, tough game with the, the tip pass and then the, and then the fumble. But I think the fact that they used him early, he was on the field on the first drive. They've used him like that in camp the entire time. Yep. He's also one of the only other tight ends on the roster who can actually go run a route that's not named Chig Conquo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the, the interception, I think, was clearly on Malik Willis. He had time to throw. He was completely wide open. It was a brilliant scheme. Josh is six foot seven and you threw it over his head. That's so hard to do. And a hundred miles an hour, just you, you have yes. to make a different throw in that situation. So again, yes. that's a, to me, that's a huge negative of Willis that I don't think people are talking about, but maybe they are. Um, so I thought Wiley, it's going to look bad on tape necessarily, but I do think there's some positives and like the fact that they used him early, the fact that he was standing there wide open in the red zone. I, I think there's, you know, it's, it's not going to look good, but I think, okay. And then Spears, I think is, is what, what we, we expected, which is that he is the, the number two back in this offense who is going to be used on the field with Derrick Henry. He's going to be used in motion. He's going to be used in passing games. He's going to be used as a fake fake uh, play action zone read guy. They, they are going to use him a million different ways. And I think he's, I, I, ho- I hope he holds up for more than five years. <laughs> I am I am just so happy with the Tajay Spear situation. This is the ultimate, my priors confirmed moment for me in this, in yeah. this game. Yeah. Because I, along with Zach and our buddy Stoney and a number of local and national draft um analysts uh, um, james foster here in town we had all been singing the praises of and going deep into the game of ty j spears since he stood out at the senior bowl in february and we spent three months from february into march into april talking about this prospect that would be really nice as an addition to pretty much any roster in the nfl and yeah there's some there's some medical history there but in the last two seasons, he's got 3,000 yards from scrimmage and 30 touchdowns. He was Tulane's entire offense. He brings the juice. Uh, this guy's going to be good. He's okay? not Tulane's. Okay, so so for those of us who are group of five college football nerds, which I am sort of, okay. the, fact that, the fact that I was watching Tulane at the very beginning of the am season. I, am I oversimplifying what, their offense here? No, Michael Michael Pratt's one of the best quarterbacks in all of okay. G, G5 football. He was returning for Tulane. It's why Tulane is the highest rated team in the G5. But Spears was the main driving force of the offense. They have a very good quarterback as well. So okay. I just I, I'm only saying that Fair. I'm only saying Fair. that because I want to get credit for having watched Tajay Spears like six months <laughs> ahead of everybody else. Yes, because yes. like you know if you watch college football, then you knew who Tajay Spears was. You did do this, yeah. Um, but, 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 but the point here great. is the frustration is 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 born of we did all of that for three months, right. and then we got to draft night in April, and all that was talked about was oh this is the receiver or this is the running back rather. It's missing an ACL. And he was, it was so reductive. He was reduced to the kid whose knee is messed up and probably yeah, won't last yeah. very long. He's got arthritis and it was infuriating. And then I think he's by, by dearth of the fact that he was talked about in that way early on. And this team has a, a bunch of running backs behind Derrick Henry. I think he may be the player that the general public, the average fan that's sort of tuned into this time of year was the most behind on because I saw a lot of online conversation during this game of like, Oh, I guess that settles it. Tajay Spears is running back too. No, my friend, 
He's been running back two for a long, long time. There's, there's nothing to settle here. Be, okay, before, I'm just glad be, we can before running back, yeah, before running back three was charged with a crime. Before, before yeah, that, yes, yeah, before that, he was already running back two. So right. I'm glad people have come around to this guy's got juice. He's exciting, and I yeah. guess all there is to say is, is like you know, if this guy had two ACLs, the whole the whole yeah. league would be on notice. <laughs> just enjoy the the slow progress and growth and implementation. Like that's what's going to happen is that each yep. week, like the way Chig grew slowly in terms of understanding the offense, how many different ways he could be used. Like by the end of the year, Chig was being used in a very different way than he was in the first couple of games. It takes some time, but mm-hmm. that's what's going to happen is that he's going to be good between the tackles on sort of like handoffs right right away because that's like here's football. Don't get tackled. And as his understanding of the offense and the NFL grows, like his role is going to grow. And I, I would I would be. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a 10, 12 touch per game guy by the end of the year. It's going to take some time to get there, but I think that mm-hmm. that's possible by the end of the year. Well, by the way, you might want to keep Derek a little fresher in October or November for, for the December time when you're going to give him 35 carries. I was about so. to say, we, we may see a lot more of him in the the middle, the meat portion of the, yeah. the year when they are trying to save that Derek juice for uh, some D Hember action. Once they get back from London and the bye week and they get through that tough mm-hmm. stretch of the early schedule, that's when things lighten up and when they should lean on some teams. And that, that's when it looks like they, they that's when I want to see him used a lot. Otherwise, uh, anything else from the game? I mean, uh, some Mike Brown looked pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the the safety, the name escaped me who had the return. Uh, he might, I guess, he Gare? might. Garer might push for some playing time. I thought mm-hmm. Phillips that had a nice had one nice punt return as well. I thought um, Chance Campbell looked really nice. Chance Campbell looked good. Trey Avery, I think, has had a pretty nice camp and is adding mm-hmm. some depth there to the secondary and had a nice interception. But uh, you know, I don't I don't know how honestly I don't know how much you can learn from two long touchdown passes that are thrown behind the line of scrimmage. That are like at least one of which, but arguably both of which are being called back in a game. I, I mean, think yeah, had, well, the first had, one for sure was a block in the back for sure. Yeah. yeah, the first one was for sure a block in the back. And then the second one, they had two linemen seven yards downfield before yeah. the pass was thrown. So so is that bad angles? Maybe. Yeah. Certainly there was one. It was bad tackling at the end of the play. Some lackluster uh, defense for sure, but not entirely right. on, the, on them there. Yeah. It's yeah. also the, the starters against a, a bunch of backups. You know, it is bare starters there. So what what's next here in your opinion uh, for the Titans? Sort of what did you see at at you know they're going to travel on Tuesday? They're going to practice with the Vikings. A lot of energy. It's going to be a great practice. I'm upset that that we don't get to be there, but I'm curious what what you saw today that was maybe different or took from the game in the practice on Monday, and then uh, if anything at all, or if it's sort of just status quo, and then sort of what are we looking for? They add, again they added uh, safety. Uh, Josh Thompson, Kyle Petko, the defensive lineman, they added those two bodies on Monday as they churned the bottom of the roster and some injuries took place. But uh, what are you looking for this week? Because I, I I love joint practices, man. It's the best. I was about to say, really, all there is to say from today's practice was this team and me, and I'm sure a lot of fans are already like, can we let's uh, your buddy Jared Stillman was talking about this today. And he I, credit to Jared. He made a good point here. The value of an interest in these standard training camp practices goes from like a nine to like a negative one. As soon as you get that first preseason game in like today, it felt like I'm standing there watching and yeah, Tannehill is nice. And it's like, okay, here's the starters again. Reminder, like we said at the top of the show, this is the actual team. Besides that, it was really nothing to report on. Everything was status quo. Everybody looked fine. The team seemed like they were kind of taking it easy today as they ramp up to travel to Minnesota 
to uh, do those joint practices on Wednesday and Thursday, I think, or Thursday yep. and Friday. Yep. Uh, and, and so that's when you're going to – a lot of people, by the way, talking about how like, well, Patrick Mahomes plays, uh, you know, David uh, Derek Carr is playing. Why can't Ryan Tannehill play? First of all, that people need to understand there are, <laughs> there are three preseason games. Like it's not over. Yeah, preseason right. has just begun. Also, I would argue for a veteran like Ryan Tannehill – what is just as, if not more important, and certainly he will get a ton of run for him, is in these one ones-on-ones reps at joint practice this week with Minnesota and then next week with New England. Like That's when he's going to get, and the starting offense is going to get a lot of full-speed reps yep. against another team, and it, it's not going to be in front of the fans, and I understand the frustration there. But that's where they're interested in getting these guys the reps. And oh, and by the way, in joint practice, you can get the full speed Ryan Tannehill reps. Yep. But he still gets to wear red jerseys. No one yep. can touch him. So you don't risk the the loss of him. And and we'll have a lot more ability to report on that next week when it is, in fact, against the Patriots. They will practice on noon on Wednesday uh, against the Vikings, and then noon on Thursday. So we'll have a a largely okay. completed two two days of practice to report on uh, for uh, when we come back on Thursday. Of course, every Monday and Thursday at one o'clock. Central Standard God's Time. Please rate, review, subscribe. Thank you to Sinkers Beverages, of course, and the Kingston Group for being great sponsors. Keep an ear, an eye out on the show, the pod, either one. Keep we're gonna have all some... senses aware of. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Turn on all your human notifications. <laughs> uh, we're going to have some news for you again uh, September 3rd. I'll get you the exact time, but it's going to be a four-hour beer fest where we have some fun. Uh, there's going to be some folks up there, uh, that very famous people, very very famous people going to be there at Bluegrass Beverages, which of course is Sinker's sister location in Hendersonville. So again, make sure, you, make sure you check out Sinker's Beverages and Bluegrass Beverages, having a big old beer fest and uh, food truck party coming up on uh, Labor Day weekend. For you guys out there, you loyal listeners and loyal subscribers, go to the in crowd and sign up to make sure you get all that information. Kingston Group as well, Build KG. You guys know the deal. Just give them a call, have a conversation with them before you make any big decisions about your house. Okay. Uh, AP poll came out and Easton's SEC questions. One of my favorite things I get to do is when like a, a guy who kind of likes college football, but really is an NFL fan gets to talk about college football, but gets to ask me questions and I get to answer. Yeah. I love getting to do this. Uh, however, number one, Georgia in the AP poll came out today. Number two, Michigan, number three, Ohio state, number four, Abilama, number five, LSU, number six, USC, number seven, Penn state, number eight, Florida state, number nine, Clemson. That's a little high. Number 10, Washington, SEC or future. SEC teams. Number 11, Texas. Are they back? Number 12, Tennessee. Number 20, Oklahoma. Number 22, Ole Miss. 23, Texas A&M. And then these are the teams that also got votes. South Carolina, 27th. Arkansas, 30th. Kentucky, 33rd. Auburn, 37th. Mississippi State, 40th. And Florida, 42nd. No mention of Missouri. No, just kidding. no, No Vanderbilt votes in this poll, right? No Vanderbilt or... Missouri votes, which I think is wrong. I think Missouri's sneak could be could be sneaky dangerous this year. Okay. Um, so that's your AP poll. Number one for me, Kentucky vastly undervalued in both the coaches and the AP poll. They're they're yeah. outside the top thirty. I think this year they're I think they're a top twenty five team. Uh, I think they're going to be very very good. So I think they're uh, a little overvalued or a little undervalued. And I think Tennessee at twelve. That's it's probably about right, but that's close to nine wins and nine and a half is the Vegas total. And I got the under this year for nine and a half. So there you mm. go. So you think they may be a little overrated there? I would have them closer to 15, 16, but I'm not going to argue four spots in a in a poll that has no bearing on the outcome of the season. So Sure. So <laughs> I, I had some questions that I jotted down for you today on the Let's SEC. 
And this is something that we do with the NFL a lot on, on my show, the Hot Read Podcast, but I wanted an opportunity to do it with the NFL. It's a little bit of a prediction game, but you being the expert, I, I came up with some hypothetical scenarios. I'm I'm a time like traveler it. that has traveled. Like I, I have I have been to January 2024 and back. Mm. And I've brought back with me some information for you. Hopefully some gambling picks. Yes. I, I we're gonna we're gonna get rich off of this after the show. But for now. I have some of these situations I want to lay out for you, and I need you to explain to me the most likely reason for how they came about. So this first one, I'm here to tell you that LSU wins the West, wins the SEC, and is a number one or a number two seed going into the playoff. What's the most likely thing that contributed to this happening? Alabama's quarterback play is still a major question mark at the end of the season, and it cost Mm. them the division championship. I think LSU, again, they're preseason number five. I would have them basically preseason number six. I'd have Bama and LSU five and six, basically, would be my prediction. I'd have have them basically dead even. The only difference I see right now preseason is the game is in Tuscaloosa, and Alabama has been very, very good at home. They've been very, not questionable, but their biggest losses and their toughest games have all come on the road, they get AM on the road, Kentucky on the road. Okay. All right. Maybe one loss there. Mississippi State on the road. Okay. Auburn at the end of the season could be tricky. It's more about Alabama. It is, I think LSU has, they are what they are. They're very good. But if they go on the road into Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama, I think that very good could be great. But it's because Alabama's quarterback is a bigger question than, than we figured, than we realized. Is if that question makes sense? I, I don't think yes. LSU winning the West is that big of a deal. I don't think it's a that's crazy at all. No, I agree. Kind of a side note before I get to the next question. Do you do you see LSU maybe just in the hey, there you go, just in the West at least? Are they the most maybe known quantities, the wrong word? But the most the, they have the most complete offense in the SEC today, right now, this okay. very second. Okay. Gotcha. And to your point, and now if you're asking, like, are there number they beat Georgia? I think that's a more complicated part of your question, which is that, that Jaden Daniels has taken another step in his development process. He has figured out the offense. It's not just scrambling and running around. It's actually very similar to Malik Willis, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, except for he, t- he takes such good care of the football that he never throws the ball. And the coaching staff last year was almost like, hey, dude, throw some interceptions. Because we need you to throw the football, which rip again, it if, and rip it, baby. Let's see again. It. Yeah, if you are following Malik Willis, then you know that that sort of mentality. So I think if they beat, it, it, you know, Harold Perkins and Mason Smith, you, you NFL draft fans, Harold Perkins is a sophomore linebacker for LSU. Mason Smith is a junior defensive tackle. They were they are both going to be top ten picks, one next year, one the year after that. They could be the best defensive tackle and the best linebacker in all of college football. If Jaden Daniels is good and those two guys are healthy on defense. That's how LSU could beat Georgia. They beat Alabama, though, because I think Bama's quarterback is not as good as we expect. Next question. Tennessee, and you kind of you accidentally teased it a moment ago. Tennessee only had eight wins. It was an underwhelming season based on the standards they've set for themselves. They had some real st- – I mean, the games that they lost, it, it, some ugly ones. What's the most likely reason for an underwhelming season from Tennessee? Um, Joe Milton is not Hendon Hooker which is unfair to ask of him, honestly. Yep. And that the overall one to 85 talent is not quite there yet to compete with the most talented teams in America, which on their schedule right now, clearly Alabama and Georgia, 
they also have to play at Florida, at Kentucky, and Texas A&M. Those are all very tough games. At Missouri, they've generally been very good against Missouri. To me, the fourth loss is probably like the disappointing one. If they lose to Georgia and Bama and A&M, it, they may not be happy with that, but A&M has, has recruited better players and might win that line of scrimmage battle. The problem is that's at home. That would be disappointing. But I think it comes right right before the Bama game. So I think there's like a there's a look ahead factor there for the AM situation. I think if they lose at Kentucky and they go eight and four, it's just because they're just not quite there yet. I think okay. I, I think Milton being 75, 80% of Hendon Hooker is all you should ask of him, which means he's going to put up a bunch of numbers, but can he win you the big game? I think that's where Hooker was special. Mm-hmm. Um, they lose to Pittsburgh without him, they lose to Bama without him. You know, they 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 did lose to South Carolina and, and Georgia. So that's your four losses right there. So, OK, I've got two more of these for you. Let's do it. This one stays in the state of Tennessee. Clark Lee and his boys here in the heart of Nashville, Vanderbilt. They're they're going to a bowl this year. What happened? How did Clark Lee's team become bowl eligible? And how did they once again beat their their uh, Vegas win total handily in the if I, you know last last year I think their win total was what two and a half two, they had it a was, beat it was two and a half by, okay beat by week four they had that or week five yep, yep. And their win three, total this year same deal comfortable and over yep. and, they're, like and they're dancing in the bowls what happened yeah. uh so it's the it's and I actually talked to him about this last week um I went out there and it's the the, the highest compliment I think you can pay a coach is that that their team plays exact with the exact same amount of effort on every snap regardless of the score mm-hmm. i think that is a, as high a compliment as you can possibly pay a football coach and no quit uh, we had anonymous coaches tell us off the record in our magazine that you could not tell if they were down by 40 or if the game was tied the defense played exactly the same way on every snap and that's clark lee's sort of that's his thing that's his side of the Culture. ball that's his thing aj swan got the start late last year they're one of only two teams in the sec that returned both their quarterback and their coordinator Let's use the other one. There's only two of them. So continuity on offense. They're deeper on offense. A lot of local kids, by the way, playing well in practice when I, the day I was there. Um, I, the key there is that they show like their regular trajectory of growth and progress. But that the, the key to your answer to that question might be that the SEC is so balanced and mm-hmm. we have so many questions at quarterback at, at everywhere that that almost every game is sort of a 50-50 game for almost all teams with the exception of like Georgia. And so I think the fact that there's so many 50-50 games that your season could go from 5 and 7 to 7 and 5 or 8 and 4 to 6 and 6 or in this case maybe 4 and 8 to 6 and 6 based on a like two plays. And so if they just make those couple of big plays in those critical situations then i think they can get to a bowl game I, I wouldn't pick it that's not my my projection i would have them at like four and eight five and seven but i would take the over three and a half for sure all right my final one and this one you may have to do your your hardest thinking on this one because i think this is my hottest take oh, um, that's implied okay. by by this exercise we're entering the back half of november and the west has not come down to the race between alabama and lsu we're entering the back half of November, and Mississippi State only has one loss. They have won two of three against Alabama, AM, and LSU. Oh, and the question wow. is, are they the ones contending for the West? How does this happen, Braden? Uh that that is as hot as it gets. I don't think that's possible. Like 
Okay. <laughs> All I, right. I, I mean, they they return. So the the answer to your question would be they have the all time leading passer in SEC history in every major category. In Will Rogers, he's played more right. games and thrown more passes than any human being in SEC history. That new coach Zach Arnett has maintained just enough continuity on defense, and that all the veteran presence that they have, which they return more seniors starters than anybody else in the conference, that 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 has all worked together. Uh, I think it's hard to do that with considering the tragedy with which Mike Leach's tenure ended there and, and how Zach Arnett got the job. Sure. I think that's really hard to do. Um, but I, but it's funny. I, I picked him seventh when I put my ballot in um, at media days. I would still pick him seventh, but I think they could be a seven or eight win team. That's how good the, the SEC is. But I don't see, for example, I think Arkansas schedule is too difficult for them to jump up, even though I really like them. I think Auburn is going to be significantly improved, but I'm not sure how improved because it's just still one, year one of Hugh Freeze. Mm-hmm. If Jackson Dart is great at Ole Miss, then Ole Miss could jump up and beat some folks. But A&M is kind of the real one, because they get Bama at home, and they beat LSU last year. Like A&M's the one that if it does all come together, which is a huge if, that A&M's the one that, like, if you're asking me, don't be crazy, like, what's your hot take is A&M wins the West. I, I, that, that is... So that's it's, the dark horse it, team in your opinion. It feels insane because you're putting your hand like right back on the, the Texas football burner with both the Texas right. Longhorns and the Aggies. Uh-huh. But they 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 are loaded, man, with t- with talent. Bobby Petrino, Connor Wigman at quarterback, like they're just gonna be better. And if you look at their schedule, it sets up that they could easily be five and zero hosting Alabama. And they 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 get up for Alabama. They've beaten sure. Alabama twice. They almost beat Alabama last year. Like they get up for that game, and it's at home in College Station. So I. I think Bama loses to AM. That that's one of my few few like bold predictions. I don't think it's bold, but like I think Bama's eleven and one and they lose to Texas AM. That's All my right. Favorite. Those were Easton's SEC questions, man. That's fun. I always enjoyed doing that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I loved I love it because it's like I have no idea where those hypotheticals are coming from, but then I, I get to sort of like do some like mental gymnastics to get us to where Mississippi state is threatening to win the West. <laughs> well, you answered it. You, you answered it by, by touching on all the reasons why in my head, I'm right. like, I know that they've right. got a ton of returning seniors. Yep. I know that they they've got a quarterback who is incredibly experienced and is a high volume guy. So who knows what well, I yep. had to throw something go. just off the wall. And I like That's it. What I went with. No, I like it. I, the, the other, the one in the East, like that would be like Missouri. Watch out for Missouri. If they're like, they host mm. LSU early in the year and they beat Missouri and all of a sudden they're six and O and you're like, wait a second, where did this Missouri team come Where's from? Where's this team coming from? Uh, right. Missouri's Missouri's Missouri and Kentucky are my two teams that I think are sneaky dangerous. Um, all right. So that just about does it. Uh, make sure you check out Easton. Where, where can people hear, read, listen, all your, all your great work. They, wherever you get the good podcasts, um, you know, Apple, <laughs> Apple podcasts, Spotify, yep. uh, Stitcher, Google Play. You can check out the show on Twitter or X. You can check out the show on YouTube. You can check out our yep. show at Hot Read Pod on Instagram, on TikTok. You can follow me at Easton Freeze on Twitter. And uh, I think I'm a, a decent follow. And if you want Titan yep. stuff all year long, that's a great place to get it. So, yeah, check me out. Uh, we do appreciate you, of course, uh, filling in for Zach. Special travel. Thanks. Uh, safe travels, excuse me, to, to Zach. Uh, Sinker's Beverages, the Kingston Group, of course, we do appreciate your local support and all you guys out there supporting your local businesses. So make sure you check out the Kingston Group if you're making any big decisions about your house. And, of course, Sinker's Beverages in East Nashville, Bluegrass up in Hendersonville. Um, just join the in crowd. You'll get all kinds of updates and allocations and all kinds of cool stuff. They do have some cool stuff in there. I get, I get, you get some cool brown water in there if you're signed up for the in crowd. So they will, they will, <laughs> they will tell you like, hey, we got this Heaven Hill bottled and bond. I'm like, oh, I'll be right there. And then I show up and they've got it. Love so, it. 
Um, there are some perks, that's for sure. And a big event coming up uh, in, a, in a couple of weeks, so stay tuned for more information on that. Rate, review, and subscribe. You can get to me at Braden Gall on Twitter. I will, I'm going down with the ship. It is called Twitter. Uh, thanks, Easton, man. And thanks for all of you hanging out with us. We'll talk Pleasure. to you on Thursday.